Hey, welcome to episode 91 of the Never Iron Anything Comedy Review podcast. This week, the return of the mortal undying enemy to all peanuts, podcaster, comic sage, yes, it's Eamon Clark. How you doing, man? I'm all right, Tony. Thank you for having me back. It's uh, great to be here again. Yeah, Graham Peanut is showing up on your feed once more. <laughs> this is where we pretend that we haven't just recorded your podcast, and this is like yep. a fresh record. Yeah, I like that. Good. That's We haven't right. just done a, an episode of Mega City Book Club. We haven't been talking for an hour and a half already. Yeah. <laughs> now, Do you remember those back in the Val Dunican shows? They'd always suddenly, the guest and him would go into this song, and you knew that they'd always, you know, they'd rehearsed it like mad, and they'd just go, oh, should we sing a song? You know? Yeah, it's like funny. I was walking over a hill the other day as well, and then start singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, somebody yeah, somebody exactly, pointed out yeah. at the back of a Lobo comic recently that there was a, a Des O'Connor short story, and I had to immediately say, "Oh, Des short for Desperate," because obviously Morecambe and Wise is completely stuck in my head. Yeah, I miss those days. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah really terrible, terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got a criminal record. It's by Des O'Connor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now you very kindly let me choose the book this week. Um, what did I invite you to read? So you invited me to read The Valiant yep. miniseries from Van- Valiant Comics in 2014, uh, written by Jeff Lemire and Matt Kint, art by Paolo Rivera, Yes, I think. Uh, um, and there's another Rivera. Is it Joe Rivera does covers? No, Joe Rivera does colours, yeah. So colours. Yeah, right. Joey is um, his dad, believe it or not. Um, oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I went to, um, I went to get it signed uh, at New York. And he had some prints, some lovely prints. In fact, it's the one of the. We'll talk about it in a bit. It's the one of the sort of knight standing there on the on the. Oh uh, right! And um, I went to get that signed, and that's um, a great page, a lovely page, yeah. And uh, I got that, and the, the bloke, the bloke signed it, and I thought he's not, he's not Paolo Rivera. He's an older man, you know. And he was talking about it very enthusiastically, and I said, oh, he, you know, and he says, oh, I'm Joey, I'm his dad. I said, oh, this is very nice of him, you know, being so enthusiastic about his son's work, you know. And then it turns out he's his colorist as well, so I had to go back and get both their signatures on it that's all right yeah he's a nice dude yeah um does it say who lettered it i can't remember actually uh it does and i've lost his name now i'm afraid yeah i'm just looking at it now you've got it on the digital haven't you i think um yeah i'm reading it on digital dave uh, um lam lamphere lamphere that's him yeah. yes that's the letter good so and, i mentioned them as well good and the cover and this was a 2014 miniseries that's right. Yeah. Um the the trade came out in 2015, I think. Right. Um and I think this is probably the newest book we've talked about, isn't it? Uh it's pretty up to date. I suppose we did talk about um the Phillips and Brubaker pulp and Oh, of course Reckless, we did. Didn't yeah, we? of course we forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is I I I felt a bit bad after recommending this because I did it with full enthusiasm that I've been wanting to talk about this book for ages, you know. And um I did it and I I and you said to me, oh, why didn't you choose one this time? And I thought, oh, brilliant, because I've been dying to talk about this. And then it's only in retrospect that I realised I'd actually asked you to talk about an entire comics universe, really. Um, kind of the th- kind of the third or fourth universe, I suppose. You don't, don't say third, because 2008 will kill us. But the, yeah. um, it's, uh, do you have any history with The Valiant as a publisher? Uh, none whatsoever, Tony. Sort of vaguely aware of them. Right. I could probably, if you'd given me a list of characters, I could probably have said, oh, yeah, they're valiant characters for some of them. Right. But no, I was sort of vaguely aware of this, but never, 
never read any of them. Um, I suppose Bloodshot, because there's been a Vin Diesel movie of him recently, and there is an attempt to start a valiant cinematic universe, I gather. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about uh, that in a bit, definitely. Although probably, yeah. The, um, but so, no, I hadn't read this before or any of the characters. Okay, cool. Interesting. That, that's, that was an interesting place to start. For, just to, though, are you, uh, I don't know if this is, are you a mainstream superhero reader? You're not really, are you? Not anymore. No, right. I find them, I mean, you know, you know, we've talked many times about our enthusiasm for superhero stuff in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Um, I find them more tricky to read these days. I get, you know, I just see the same old, um, tropes being trotted out. Yeah. Out. Um, I do pick them up from time to time and we'll talk about some of the crossover events that I have picked up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, I'm not a mainstream com- uh, superhero reader now. I did find this fascinating, though, to actually pick up a crossover event from another comics company and go into it sort of fresh and yeah, and completely new. That's interesting because I think we, I think, and a long-held theory of mine is I think we're obsessed with starting at the beginning with things. Yeah, and I don't think we should be. You, you and I are both of an age where we would have picked up a Batman comic and we wouldn't have gone back, you know, to the to you know detective comics to read it you know we wouldn't have gone back whatever it was then 40 years to read the first batman would we we would have just enjoyed no. it for what it was even if it was in the middle of a story we'd have probably you know we wouldn't have balked at reading it at all um and i quite like it i quite like picking up a comic and trying to work out who everybody is yeah and you know there's quite there's a bit of fun here because there was there's a couple of sort of like group scenes of lots yeah. of characters on one page um, you and I shared an image, you know, I think on Twitter that we were talking about. And yeah. it's quite fun thinking, well, who's that? And who's that? Yeah. That character looks interesting. Well, you know, what's that one about? Definitely. Yeah, it really is in this, isn't there? And there's a couple of, not not everyone is used to the max in this, but there's a couple of big double page spreads where they used to advertise their other com- characters. And I think it's fairly plain that's what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Um, well, let's have a little talk about the story. Um Shall I shall I try and run it run you through what I think it's about? Um, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's I described it here as a, a rolling epic that centres on the geomancer, um, which is a um, a role that's handed down through time. The geomancer has a protector, which is the character called the Eternal Warrior, not the Eternal Champion. No, no, no. Don't be confused. More cocky and fans there. I can't imagine that's a lift. Um, the real name of the Eternal Warrior is Gilad Anipada. Um, and it's his duty, which he he re- begins to realise as the story plays out, because it's it jumps through history at the start, is to um is to protect this geomancer. He's immortal. Uh, he has uh, three immortal brothers and immortal sister. Um, it, it the evil that attacks uh, turns up to kill the geomancer regularly, takes different forms, um, and it's an interesting story because Gilad fails. He keeps failing to protect her. Or him, because it, 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 it takes various forms to geomancer, male, male, female, whatever. But he, 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 he fails. He's a he's an abject failure, you know, mm. through the start of this book, which I found a really interesting way to open a book. Did you, or did you find that interesting? Yeah, I did actually. I quite liked it. The fact that this battle is going on through time, and he keeps failing. He keeps, you know, not protecting the geomancer. And I like in the start of this book, what really struck me was how the immortal enemy um, takes on, as you said, different forms. And so yeah. when it's like Aztec, I think it's, I'm going to say this wrong, but is it Quetzalcoatl, the sort of yes, winged feathered that. serpent? Yeah. 
Um, and then in Greek times, it looks like the Minotaur. Uh, it's Grendel it is, in the Beowulf it? legend. so good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it and really then right does. up, you know, to get right up to date, the sort of modern version of the Immortal Enemy looks a bit like the Slender Man, you know, the urban legend internet horror. It does, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think he's got a great name. He's um, Mr. Flay. That's Mr. a great Flay. villain's name. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's an um, a Vertigo villain if ever I've heard one. You know, it's that sort Absolutely, of thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So as time, you know, we suddenly take a jump to this girl called I think she's called Kay, isn't she? who she is, is the um contemporary geomancer and she's kind of a lot a, kind of a lost character she doesn't really know what she's doing she's a bit confused by everything and she's sat there with um Armstrong who is um uh Gilad's brother and Armstrong and Archer are another another set of characters from this um it's Aram Annie Padder is Armstrong and she's sat with him but and 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 throughout this book we we jump between valiant valiant characters but we also have this central premise of gilad and Kay as being the central two which does shift about a bit um but the we throughout it we get bloodshot who really comes to his own in this book i think he's a, he's a really interesting character we get a brief we get a brief section with exo man of war who's the sort of iron man crossed with conan analog um right he's um he's a, a historically he's a warrior um and he's got this alien armor called shinara um and ninjak as well which is another great character there is a web series called ninjak versus the valiant universe which has got fairly high production values for a web series and is okay and that's that's a good way of seeing all these characters and then they obviously made a comic of it as well um and it really builds and builds and builds to being this is the final confrontation as part of it there is a box that needs to be open um and in it is some way of solving the problem that is this immortal, you know, this this yes. Mr. Flay. Um and they employ a guy called Key um to turn up who's this old bloke who's in a cell. And when Gilad goes to get him, he goes, I'll get you out of this cell and he says, Well why? I can get out of here anytime I want. And he's employed to open it. And that's the hook at the end of the series, isn't it? Um yeah. for it. Yeah. Good. And it brings together I mean at the front of my digital trade you get brief sort of page of character yeah. notes to tell you who all these people are and i love the fact you've got this colorful group of sort of superhero characters or yeah. Yeah, immortal characters yeah and then you get a bloke called neville never uh, trust anyone called neville i think it's fairly plain <laughs> yeah yeah no i thought i was literally <laughs> laughing at that was called neville yeah yeah that's clearly that's right yeah yeah the um yeah i was thinking about that i knew you'd mention neville yeah, yeah. I think he's like an MI6 guy, isn't he, or something? Is he like, is. He's yeah. the MI6 handler for them. There's, I think there's a there's. I can't remember the name of the woman who's the CIA or the you know military, right. the American military intelligence liaison, and then there's an MI6 um, handler for all these um, yeah. costumed characters as well. Because yeah. Ninjak is a um, is an MI6 officer, so that's, right. that's oh, a trick. So okay. alternatively, there's a couple of different storylines, but he's either called Ninjak or he's called Ninja K, and there was also a Ninja D. And all this sort of thing which is kind of a little twist on it which is quite clever um and he's he's a great little character um yeah so any standout characters for you man who, who did you enjoy reading the most so the one that i'm going to talk about most towards the end i guess is bloodshot but okay. the one i'm going to mention first from his appearance in the club chatting to Kay and filling her in on the backstory is the character armstrong right and i was aware there was a duo called archer and armstrong i've heard about them mentioned on other podcasts yeah 
Um, so he's in the club. He's got the sort of jacket with a hoodie underneath it look and yeah. a flat cap and a beard and drinking straight from the wine bottle. Now, of course, famously, Tony, nobody on the internet knows what you look like. <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> um, if Steven Seagal did lose some of that weight, he could play this character, I suppose. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it hasn't gone unnoticed. Yeah, the... Um... <laughs> He's got a beard now. Do you, uh, and this is a callback to one of our previous episodes, but do you know who created him? Um, let me have a look. Is it, is it Barry Windsor Smith? It is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. We've been talking about Barry Windsor Smith. Yeah. Um, both for his Wolverine issue or uh, his X-Men issue and, of course, Monsters being the book of the year of 2021. And it just, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. You were created in comic book form by one of our comic book heroes, Barry Windsor Smith. <laughs> now, I... I Aram, okay, Armstrong, he, he hangs about with this sort of ex-monk who realises he's part of a, a cult, a murder cult. Back to the cults. We just talked about cults a minute ago. Back to a murder cult. And um, they sort of just have these ridiculous adventures, but there's dinosaurs in it. I think you really enjoy the first series. Don't worry about Archer and Armstrong, because later on I was going to give some recommendations what people should read. So don't worry about the more recent Archer and Armstrong. But go back. You can find a nice hardback from the original Valiant. Which is the Barry right. Winter Smith stuff all in one go. Yeah, he's a great cat character. So and he's always pissed. Um Yes. And he is here, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. they he's rather enjoying over, life. Yeah, they rather overdo it yeah, his enjoyment of life in the in the, the web series because he's trying to drive a car whilst drinking from a tankard. You right. know, so they do that. They they lean heavily into that. And the three brothers are sort of um stereotypes in a way. So you've got Gilad who's this sort of dour warrior you know, very intense, you know, he's got this mission. You've got um, Aram, who's, you know, just in it for a laugh. He's the sort of Marvel Hercules, I suppose, you know, the way Hercules right. compared to Thor. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the third brother is Ivar Timewalker, Ivar Anapada, and he's um, he's more a sort of Jerry Cornelius character travelling through time. Oh, okay, um, right. He's that sort of foppish kind of character. Um, yeah, and then there is a sister, which I think they, they Vexana, the warmonger, who I think it was a later... later um, um, creation and their their father was called Vandal, which I think is a little nod to Vandal Savage, the DC, the immortal DC yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, he's a great character, man. He's really good. It's very sort of anti-establishment, very the opposite. You know, he just frustrates everyone because he can't be bothered to do things. And uh, yeah, no, a really good character. Yeah, she's she's I wanted good in more that of as well. him actually. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean. This this is the elephant in the room as to whether you enjoyed this or not. I know, and we haven't. I haven't purposely haven't asked you this, but did you enjoy it or not? I did. I had a great time. Good, good stuff. With this actually, Tony. I, I I must admit, I started off thinking, I don't know who these characters are. And I don't know what's going on. I was grateful <laughs> for pages like that one where Armstrong turns up to explain some of the backstory. Um, and second time reading it through, I just thought, oh yeah, this is it. Comic crossover. You get more bang for your buck. You get more character. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple of characters I think who really this changes them, you know, because I mean one of the problems with comic crossover events over the years has been the you know the constant complaint that it doesn't really change anything at the end. You yeah. know, everything just resets to the status quo at the end of the event. But this does change. Well, let's say it changes Bloodshot particularly that character who we're going to yeah. talk about perhaps in a moment. Um, yeah, no, I had a great time, Tony. I thought it was great fun. The, the art is spectacular, yeah. Um, and you know, it's Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent. Jeff Lemire, we've talked about the guy 
the nerd who's done well, who can do it all. He can write. He's you know, slowly he, crept up to be the writer, isn't he, I think? He has. It's yeah. amazing, you know, because you've done the Black Hammer universe on this podcast. Yeah. We've talked about Essex County, that sort of, you know, almost painful autobiographical stuff. Yeah, he's doing like Green Arrow. And then you he, know. Green Arrow, he can write superheroes and make them really interesting. So, yeah, no, actually, I had a great time. I good stuff, man. That's really good. It's, it's a book that I often I give thought, to why people. why haven't I read any Bloodshot? Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's some good and some bad. I'll put it that way. But the okay. um, the the it's the book. So I think I started giving it to people as a gift because um, back when they were a company to be reckoned with, Valiant would have a stall at certain. They had one at the London Super Comic Con, the final one of them. They and they regularly had them at New York. And you, I think they did like five trades for twenty quid or something like that. And I would always get a couple for myself. And I've got nearly all their trades to be fair. And then I would always get this for someone else. Um, I think I got Dan Butcher a copy. I got um, Brian Vander a copy, and I've given it out to a few people, and they've all loved it because it's, um, to me, it's clean, classy story storytelling. And I think Paolo Rivera is absolutely brilliant. He he manages to be um, very distinctive in what he does, but have like this glorious clean line to it all. You know? Yeah, I mean, it really, and the characters sort of pop out of the pages. And some of his work on those, I mean, there's a sequence early on where Bloodshot is in a sort of um, battle to get that mysterious box. And occasionally you see him in shadow and, you know, picked yeah. out in black and white. So that's great. And then Mr. Flay, as the sort of modern incarnation of the immortal enemy, is so creepy. It's a real sort of, yeah. you know, horror comic stuff. And he's he's sort of, he's stolen the character from Kay's sort of, fairy tale childhood memories doesn't he yeah that's it um, isn't it it's the, he invades your nightmares doesn't he he does it with ninjack earlier on um, yeah and he does the the thing that is most horrific to society or to you at the time and what he does is he creates this creature like um grendel and like mr flay and the but there's this moment where you know it's going to go wrong is where the head splits open and the skull is revealed yeah it's like so well done you know mm. yeah and quite you know i mean quite cinematic quite sort of um you can sort of feel the motion it makes you it makes the page moves yeah um you know we talked about obviously king kirby and how pages fizzed fizzed with energy and excitement and this you know you get the same sort of motion and action in it which i love yeah yeah you really do palo rivera's um work is great he is and he doesn't do enough so born 1981 daytona beach florida uh, went to the rhode island school of design studied under um some classes from david mazzuccelli um so back to him again um oh right yeah um first marvel work was an 11 page painted doctor doom story in marvel double shot number two actually remarkably few interiors um did mythos he did six issues of that he's done some hellboy and bprd he did the 1953 series and he did volume three of daredevil which is great really good and it, but he doesn't do them all he swaps i think he swaps some art duties over in that one yeah really good you don't see enough of him um at all um Matt Kinch, I'm we... going to get his Daredevil after this because you know you and I started with Daredevil on this That's podcast. True. He's a favourite yeah. of mine, so I sh and you know having seen Paolo Rivera's art here, I've got to get that. I think. Yeah, it was in that little period. I think Mark Wade was writing it, um, yeah. and it had um, you know when he was wearing the "I am not Daredevil" T-shirts and stuff like that. It's quite playful. You know, there's a, there's a real bounce to everything, and it. it's really good. It's not. It was a nice. Whilst I enjoyed Bendis' stuff, it's a nice lighter in the day change from Bendis' sort of dark, depressed stuff that 
you know i think probably people know is the tv series has kind of been it's been used on yes. a bit. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, matt kent is another one born 1973 um chica tauga new york um he has he's very chatty about how he approaches his work and he, he treats his valiant work as if it's a personal project which i think really does shine out and when you um read something like divinity which is by him which is probably the other recommend i'd give in relation to valiant um you see that his first full graphic novel was pistol whip at top shelf um and then he produced some spin-offs and he did super spy um which got an eyes the nomination um he assisted i didn't realize this but he assisted in the design of moore's lost girls um, oh, right. Yeah, uh, mind management is probably and Department H probably is two big, big series that people will probably know him for. Um, the mind management has been optioned by Ridley Scott of all people, which sounds quite interesting for a movie. Um, he's worked extensively at um, Valiant. He did Unity, um, which is kind of their Avengers title, team title. He did Ninjak, um, Ray, which is sort of future samurai bloodshot um, crossover thing, uh, Book of Death. Divinity, as I've said, he's done some EXO issues, which are brilliant. And he did the 4001 AD, which is the sort of little crossover future project, which they did as well. At Boom, he's done Grass Kings and Folklords. And then probably most famously, I suppose, is Berserker with Keanu Reeves and Ron Garney. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. That huge Kickstarter. Was it a Kickstarter? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, because you need to kickstart stuff, yeah. don't you, when you're in a millionaire. But that's fine. When you're Keanu Reeves, yeah, <laughs> bless him. Yeah. Like, I, I laugh about it, but I backed it because I'm a mug. But there you go. Right. Yeah. Good. Um, are you going to pay around three hundred quid for a coloured page of his, um, which is pretty cool with a, a, like a comic page, you know? Um, he's right. also done Ether and Bang. I've read Bang. I, not my favourite, but yeah, he does some interesting stuff. Yeah. Good. Um, so you're going to. Um, we we've talked a little bit um, backwards and forwards about crossovers. Should we do a bit of a chat about a crossover? Because that's what this is. It's not build. Well, it is kind of. It's called the Valiant, isn't it? So it's kind of build as their big crossover thing. Which put me off it initially because I thought it was just going to be this. For for those who know Valiant history, they've had a couple of rather crass crossovers. They did um, they did one with um, Image Comics before, um, and I, I was worried that this was going to be slightly crass. But it's not. It's a it's a it's a crossover without saying it's a crossover. There's 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 no real sort of characters. You know, oh hello, I'm Batman. There's none of that going on. It's uh, it's more subtle than that. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it doesn't do that. Uh, did it do the thing where other monthly comics in the Valiant universe would have references to it at the same time, or did it not do that? Not, not overtly. So there are there is stuff in um, Eternal Warrior that comes through. The we return to this problem in that, if you see what I mean, um, right. which is interesting. But no, there's no there's no sort of head banner. You know, this is the Valiant. You know, Valiant Part Three is continued in you know Fem Force Forty Three or something. You know, there's no that going on. Um, yes, because always Marvel and DC, they'd have at the top of the, the cover, it would be, you know, invasion crossover or yeah. secret invasion or whatever it was. Yeah, this is yeah. The, the, the issue you need to read, um, and which always, that bit always felt very, that I was being manipulated. You know, we want yeah. you not only to read the crossover event, but you've got to go and buy all these individual issues as well. Yeah. Um, and there were so many of them, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think um, X of Swords famously added three in the middle of its run or something. I know there's right. the um, the X is it X Gala at the moment, which is just awful, just right. awful. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, they just photoshopped famous people's faces into it and stuff, and it's like really. Oh no. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's I I I decided there was three. So there's intercompany, yeah, intercharacter, and inter team. So intercompany, 
would be a crossover. We've seen a few between. We saw Valiant and Image. We saw DC and Marvel. There's been a few like that. Into yeah. character are when two characters um, combine for a short run, and then we've had into team, which tends to be you know X Men in humans run or something like that. You know, um, is right. there any that have you've enjoyed that you've read? So let's think. I did. I, I did enjoy Marvel Civil War while it was coming out. Yes, I think it Although did as well. Yeah, yeah. I look back at it and I think. No, well, you know, it's just it's just that age old thing of just getting superheroes to fight other superheroes rather than bad guys. But yeah. so I did enjoy that, and it was well drawn as well. That one, uh, yeah, beautiful to look at. Um, I think you know, going right back to the eighties, I always thought Marvel Secret Wars was just like pretty shoddy toy exercise. Really. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I got it. I mean, I got it all, and I've still got them. And my son read them literally read them to death. Those issues. Oh, uh, nice. Um, but. Yeah, um, Crisis on Infinite Earth um, is the big one. Yeah, I know, think you're right, DC. man. Yeah, and they've, of course, you know, they've done. They had crises before that. They've done crises since. Grant Morrison did Final Crisis. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, it will become a branding exercise at one just, point, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, just it's a exactly it's a brand for DC is Crisis now, isn't it? Red Skies and Crisis. <laughs> yeah, um, I think actually to uh, me the the original Crisis was. A result of just everything being confusing so we had heroes across various different realities and different timelines and they tried to join it all up into one and i kind of thought okay i, I dig that it was um it was a, a slog to get through in uh, parts you know there's a lot going on in it um, yeah and there's one you know at the end of it there's one superman there's one batman there's one yeah. arrow and we're not going to have alternative parallel versions of them oh until we do <laughs> yeah 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 you're right yeah yeah and we'll have another crisis in yeah. a year or two mm. exactly yeah um but you know so yeah uh, uh what have been the big ones i suppose into character for british comics i guess it's going to be judge dread batman yeah judgment of gotham i've got written um, on here yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, you've done Bisley recently. Um, Dread Batman will be coming up on my podcast oh, at good. some point. That was oh, the big one, wasn't it? The really, yeah, you know, two characters. And then did we have a Dread Aliens one? Who as well? shouldn't work? Oh, Dread Aliens is great, isn't it? I've actually I've got a page from Dread Aliens by Henry Flint. Oh, actually. nice. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. I quite like that actually. Yeah, that yeah. worked for the Dread Universe. Yeah, okay. Um, the big ones. I, I so I've got. I've written just a few down. See what you think of these. Did you ever read Superman, Spider Man? Yes, I've got that somewhere here. Yeah. I mean, I I I think pages of that are burnt into my retina where I read it so many yeah. times as a kid. You know, I think that's that's marvelous. I think that was the most exciting thing ever, having Superman and Spider Man on the, on the cover and in the same comic. Uh, I know they had to sort of weaken Superman down so that he'd be, yeah, that's that, right. You know, he wouldn't destroy Spider Man straight away. But yeah, no, that was great stuff. Yeah, and beautifully drawn. Um, yeah, I think um, I actually did rather like Fifty Two. I think it worked. Right. Um, the the actual series Fifty Two, so the weekly, the weekly series, and it's because you had a lot of good writers under all under the the firm arm of Keith Giffen, you know, and I think that's yeah. kind of cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's sensible to have somebody like that in charge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so X-Men Teen Titans by Simonson was good, but it adds a curio, I think. You know, it's it's gorgeous, it's, but it doesn't hold any kind of weight anywhere. Um, and But again, it's got it's got George Perez art, who you've also recently talked about. It's, that one's got Simonson, so yeah, so it was oh, Simonson right. on that one. But yeah, equally it's gorgeous. Uh, and then right. Aliens Predator, I suppose, is the other one, which is kind of a crossover. Um, yeah. 
but although in the earlier days, I think they've tried some more recently that didn't work. Um, and one sort of totally out of the blue is Vampirella um, Predator. Vampirella Aliens, which I kind of liked. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and there's uh, there's also a, um, is it is it a Red Sonia Deja Thoris, which I kind of liked. Yeah. Right. It's it, mostly boobs. Do you know what I mean? But Vampirella it works. Vampirella Lady Death, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, a, um, a Vampirella Archie one. Right. Um, there's also obviously Punisher right. Punisher Archie one, which is quite good. Um, any really bad ones that you remember reading? You think Christ, I want to read that for? Uh, Secret. I mean, like I say, Secret Wars, and then Secret Wars Two just oh. got worse. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really terrible. I, ne- I didn't understand any of Final Crisis apart from the fact that Batman died. I think. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but I didn't understand any of it. Um, the scroll one, the Marvel scroll one, uh, Secret Invasion, I think it was. Yeah, they need to stop yeah. with it, don't they? They really do. Well, I think you know, Valiant was all right for me because I wasn't familiar with the characters and it didn't, you know, it felt like things changed and it was fun. But the Marvel ones, particularly, I just stopped with the Marvel ones because nothing was changing and um you know and 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 when they were also if they list in the back of the book all the other books you're supposed to read that month i really feel like i'm just being manipulated to buy more books you know yeah Yeah. i know uh and we're i mean you know we we have the ability probably to buy all those books if we wanted to but not everyone does have the money especially these days to go and buy all those books you know but they they feel like some there's a, uh, there's a there's an enforced obligation on some of these people to prove they're proper comic fans you know to to buy fucking new mutants three or something you know and it's new mutants three is utter shite you know i think yeah yeah i think it's a jumping off point i think these days for me and it's, the idea that you do it every summer there'd be a big event every summer and you think oh no not another one but I actually think this event's running. Is what the, no. is there in the Marvel Universe three running at the moment? Yeah, oh, I don't. yeah, yeah. We've got the Venom one. We've got that Spider-Man one coming up. So you've got the Avengers one just finished. We got the um, what was the King in Black? What was that one? Yeah, that was like a Venom one. Yeah, right. Yeah, so there's quite a lot going on around that. Yeah, I, 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 some. To be fair, I think if you had to choose a comic company, a comic um, area where there's really bad crossovers, it's got to be the X-Men. They do some utter shite, you know. Right. Um, it just seems to be going from one to the other, um, and it seems to have it seemed to have fixed itself a bit. Uh, and then we got ten of swords. Then we got this ex gala thing, which is at one point this sort of, this sort of weird fuzzy looking faced Kevin Feige turns up in the middle of it to sort of nod at one of them or something. And you're like, really? Oh, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, going back to the Valiant. Um, okay. So you were going to talk a little bit about um, Bloodshot. Is he? Um, was, he's a standout towards in the second half of the book for me, really, isn't he? You know. Yeah, he is. And the thing about Bloodshot, one of the things that struck me about character. So Bloodshot, for anyone who doesn't know, he is a soldier who's been infused with um, nano machines, the nanites. So, yeah. so basically. He can heal any injury and he's got um, enhanced fighting technology or fighting abilities and he can he can do weird things with weapons and machinery and all sorts because of the yeah. nanites, I think, is right, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's completely he, right, yeah. And he's a sort of, he's a, a mind-wiped soldier, essentially, yeah. So he's the soldier with a dodgy past. He's very Wolverine yeah. because he's invulnerable. He can heal anything and he's got he's got a mind-wiped past. He's done some dodgy stuff, which he's sort of, becoming aware of yeah. and it's sort of haunting his memories and he 
forms a real connection with K, the new geomancer in this book. Yeah. And, um, you know, talking about a character who's changed, he does get changed towards the end of this event. And I, I've carried on reading it's, is it Bloodshot Reborn by Okay. Lemire. It's All the right. series that came after that. So I'm reading that on Comixology at the moment. Oh, nice. But one of the things I always find interesting is when you give, if you create a comic book character who's invulnerable, <laughs> yeah. is how do you make their their battles and their conflicts and their injuries, how do you make that At jeopardy. Um, interesting? Yeah. Exci- yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you mentioned Keanu Reeves. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Yeah. It's a movie. I mean, one of the reasons that the first Matrix film worked so well for me was that towards the end of the film, when Keanu Reeves, you know, when Neo is run, trying to get away from Agent Smith, is you sort of, you know that he can be harmed. You know that characters can die in the Matrix. Yeah. You've seen all those other characters get unplugged and die. And then at the end of the first film, you find out that Neo can't die, and not only can he not die, he can also fly. You know, he turns into Superman at the end of the first film. Yeah. And that's partly for me why the second and third films never worked, because I never had that sense of jeopardy. I was just, well, why is he fighting? He can just fly away. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, yeah. And so you get that, you know, obviously Superman is the, the archetype, the uh, invulnerable character, and so much so that they have to start creating various ways in the comics to make him vulnerable. So all the kryptonite stuff, but also, you know, you give him Lois Lane and you give him Jimmy Olsen because yeah. they give him, and you give him the Kents, that you know, his parents, because they give him vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact that he becomes and, human is the is the vulnerability factor, isn't it? He's not homeland. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And Wolverine's the same. You know, Wolverine, he, you know, he can heal... Because at various points in Wolverine's comic book history, he's been reduced down to a skeleton. Yeah, yes. was it? Um, I think it was. Um, was it Wolverine Punisher by Garth Ennis, where they run over him and he's just nothing more than a metal skeleton at one point? I think they that right. was Garth Ennis taking the piss a bit. I think, but yeah, you're right. And he was never that at the start. He was emotionally damaged, you know, um, just a brawler. Um, right. And you, you're right. They've had to build that up over over the years and. You're right. You need to add that vulnerability, like you say with with Superman and the, and the Kryptonite and stuff. But the I I think sometimes it's there's only one way to get around. There's a, there's a, a series of comics and a series of novels by J. Michael Straczynski called Rising Stars. Have you ever heard of it? Um, no. And in no. it, it's a bit like Highlander for superheroes. So every time one gets killed, a little bit of the energy goes into everyone else. You know, sort of thing. Um, right. And they there's a guy, a big fat guy, who's invulnerable. Um, and they take it to the extreme, you know, he's invulnerable to everything, but the only way he manages to kill him is through his mouth because he has to feed. And right. um, and these these little touches, like bringing Kryptonite in, there's a character called Ultra Boy in um, Legion of Superheroes, and his, he can only have one power at a time, so he can be invulnerable, but if he's falling, he's still got to be able to fly. So when he switches to flight, he's, in, he's vulnerable. And I think you need to include that in this. And... Um, what we see in this is I actually worry for him a little bit is when she drains his nanites at one point or she takes them out, yeah. doesn't she? You know, yes. which is yeah. a great touch. Yeah. And, and that seems to also sort of restores his humanity. It gives him back his memories as well. Yeah. And in the, the, the sequel, or the, you know, the uh, bloodshot reborn that I'm reading, there's a lot about that, you know, but the nanites. Is that the Butch Guys people. series? Is it Butch Guys drawing that? Can't 
no, I don't know. Um, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have a look and see. But yeah, um, it's I wasn't quite as much of a fan of the art as I was of Paolo Rivera. Yeah, so, yeah, he's a real um, he's a real high point for a lot of this work. Yeah. So Bloodshot cameo first first appeared as a cameo in Eternal Warrior Four in '92. Um, first full appearance was in Ray uh, Zero in '92. Um, he was created then by Don Perlin, Kevin Van Hook, and Bob Layton. Uh, Bob Layton later became um, after Jim Shooter was out, he became the editor in chief at Valiant. Um, like you say, powered by nanites, um, he's had various versions. So there are different versions of him. Almost the point where you'll discover if you keep reading, he almost becomes like a legacy character. There's he's even a, um, a bloodshot dog as well at one point. There's like right. a bloodshot character from the Vietnam War, and they, they, there's there's a joining of them all. There's a certain amount. I know. I think you're right about him being. Wolverine, but there's also a Punisher analog there somewhere. Yes, you know, it's, it's the firearms, yeah. the appearance firearms thing, and he, he was created by a group called the Rising Spirit Group, who make an appearance throughout the, the various Valiant universes, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's very similar to, to Department H, which is where Logan goes to before he becomes Wolverine, isn't it? You know, yeah, Howell or whatever his name is meant to be. Yeah, he's um. There is a movie, the Bloodshot movie with Vin Diesel. It is okay. They pretend it's London at one point, and it's clearly just a street in Vancouver with a black taxi driving up and down. Um, <laughs> there's a bit of that going on in it. Um, he's played. Um, he's in Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, and he's played by. I don't know if you're a big Power Rangers fan. I'm guessing probably yes. He's played by the Green Power Ranger. He's a guy called Jason David Frank, who um, is I think like an MMA guy as well. Um, oh, okay. And he's quite good in it. Actually, he's one of the better people in that series. He's, he is. He is quite good. Yeah, he's a real. There's a damaged back to it again there's a damaged ptsd element to this character isn't he he's a he's a man back from war you know just being used over and over again and they play a lot on that in the vin diesel movie where they just keeps having his memory wiped and they send him back out again and slowly you know he he manages to reclaim his humanity you know um yeah and i do like that in a comic book character who's got a dodgy past you know who keeps getting wiped and then he's trying to regain his humanity uh we talked about that with wolverine in that barry windsor's yeah, myth issue where he's sort of he reverts to his feral nature and then somehow battles back to a sense of humanity aided by of all things the power pack uh, yeah um uh it's katie power i think isn't that's it? right yeah um, yeah and that's yeah. that's the real draw to him that's why we like him so much you know because there is that's his vulnerability isn't it you know yes in a way yeah yeah and then i still like wolverine i still buy wolverine comics i think i think he's a great character when handled well is is good um yeah yeah, yeah, good point, man. Um, Green Power Rangers is one of my possible cosplay options for Thought Bubble <laughs> this year. You know, just just let you know. Good stuff. Yeah. Looking forward Could to that. Could be me. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk a little bit about Valiant Comics. So Valiant Comics has had a, a roller coaster of a history, I think, to be fair. It started out in the 90s as, and people forget this, you know, we, well, we've been hearing a lot about it recently, about um, the sales figures on pre-image and image books. You know, I think um, it's been, it's caused some, um, like battle in a teapot at the moment right. on, online about about Rob Liefeld saying he sold five million copies and people disagreeing with him. Who cares? But they yeah. um, they sell they sold a lot, um, but they weren't far off, you know, Valiant. So I think the first Turok issue, which was um, one of those sort of metallicy cover things, I think that sold one point something, one point two million or something like that. Oh right, okay. And the original series for these, um, a lot of them featured back again to Frank Miller featured a lot of Frank Miller covers. Um, 
the early Ray, uh, Eternal Warrior, and a couple of others had Frank Miller covers to them, which he was sort of. I th- I get the impression that, um, and I've only heard this anecdotally, it was because him and Shooter Shooter could still call on him from having employed him and sort of kind of kickstarted him a bit with Daredevil back in the day. So he did de- he dealt with it. Barry Windsor Smith actually had his fingers in a lot of the early stuff, so he was there right from the beginning. Um, as was Bob Layton, and as was Don Perlin. Don Perlin had come off a very successful run on Defenders at Marvel. And it really was a big, strong, busy company at the time, um, making a lot of money for people. And there was a big um, a big challenge to Shooter, and he gets ousted at one point, and Bob Layton has to take over as editor-in-chief. And then they get bought out by a company called Acclaim, which was a video game company. Um, and it all went a bit too image for me at that point. It became a bit too sort of muscles and um, um, TNA and that sort of thing. Um and right. then it sort okay. of, and then it, it sort of disappeared and it went away until only a few years before the, the book we're talking about here appeared and it, and it came back. Um, one of them was a guy called Dinesh Shamazani and he um, was a really positive figure um, in this company and he is one of these guys who had loved the comics from uh, from the previous incarnation and wanted to start it up again. The original Valiant had um, some um, characters like Turok. Um, and a couple of other Magnus robot fighter who came from elsewhere. They weren't part of the licensed product that he bought. So he had to kind of create it from the ground up again, which he did. Um, and it was really good. It was my favourite comic published for three years running on our sort of best of the year on the podcast, on the ACP. And it was going really well. And then Shamazani was bought out as a hostile takeover by a company who wanted to create a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but with Valiant. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, and that's where the Vin Diesel movie came from and was not super successful. I've heard people say it was terrible, but I don't think it was quite... I think it was affected by the start of lockdown, um, so it yeah. went straight to sort of streaming. Um, and it's not a, it's not too bad. It's, it's an okay movie, but unfortunately, at the same time, the comics took an absolute death dive, and there's very little there over the last year and a half that's worth reading. Um you you seen, yeah if you if you read the Exo Man of War issues he's this you know warrior who's kidnapped from earth and taken to an alien planet and steals this armor and he's he's basically Conan in armor and in the new series Exo Man of War they have him living in you know an urban city playing basketball and talking about how he's wearing cotton because it's more breathable and I'm like oh christ you know back to hipsters again Tony it really is yeah it yeah. really is i think the hipsters took over and it's had a lot of criticism um and it's they recently the end of last year, shut what they're calling shuttered their office, um, which everyone was saying. Oh, don't read too much into that. They just closed their offices. They're all working from home. But I can't see that as being a good thing <laughs> for a comic company. Yeah. You know. Doesn't sound good. Yeah. Good. So if you're going to read anything, avoid the recent stuff and go back to 2014 to, to 2016 um, when it was just really firing on all right. Yeah, you got um, the delinquents as a little spin-off. You've got Quantum and Woody. You've got EXO. You've got Ninjak. Even Faith was a great comic for a while. Unity's good. Um, there's so many great series that came out of that stuff that have really was looking like it could be the next big universe that you could invest in without having to go back for years and work out what was going on in the X-Men. You know, right. It's like that. Um, and I'd say pick up this because this is, it is nice and self-contained. You don't have to read other stuff. It's got yeah. a nice beginning, middle, and end. You know, um, you'll you'll have you'll have read a complete story. The artwork's brilliant by Paolo Rivera. Yeah, and you get lots of characters for your buck. It's very cheap at the moment in 
both in hard copy and on digit and oh, on uh, Comicsology. So, yeah, this is great. This yeah. is, you know, and you don't have to worry about all the other books. I find you just you, you know you can read this as a story. Yeah, it's got some it's weight got... to it. So there's a nice implication to it, but it is a self-contained story as well. I think you know. Yeah, yeah, and there's a bloke called Neville in it. So yeah, you know. Neville. Yeah, yeah. Is there any like real moments in it that you really enjoyed, man? Anything that sort of stands out for you? Well, there's. I mean, there's pages. There's the big character page where they're all in battle. Yeah. Where um, I had to ask you questions about the goat that appears to be firing lasers. Yeah, he's from, from Quantum and Woody, and he's called uh, Vincent Van Goat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Crypto the Crypto the Super Goat. <laughs> yeah. um, there is there is some the wonderful stuff about the the past history. Yeah. Uh, Gilad the Eternal Warrior moving through time, and you know I loved all that stuff. I loved how the immortal or the eternal is it the immortal enemy takes on uh, you know as we've said takes yeah. on all those forms. Yeah. And then there is that. I know this is sort of playing the Grell page game from another podcast, but there is that page <laughs> that you've already picked out of Gilad as a uh, a, knight, a medieval knight in armour walking so gorgeous, across. Man. Yeah, yeah, and the background is like some sort of like one of those Bruegel pictures, you know, a snow scene. Yeah, ba- battle in the background. That is so beautiful. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that is great, and then. Bloodshot, as he goes on, his relationship with Kay, as it goes on, becomes really quite interesting and touching. Very brother-sister, um, doesn't it? It really does. Yes, yeah. There's a moment where um, she says, oh, have you got any food? And he's eating beef jerky or something. That's right, yes. And she she's says, trying to be vegan. And she, she tastes it and she goes, oh, it's so good. And that came from Rivera, actually. I've read an interview with Kent where he said, oh, no, that was Paolo Rivero who did that because he said, what can we possibly have in all these pouches? You know, pouches being cool in comics. And he said, well, what about beef jerky that he has to eat? Because he has to ingest protein to feed the nanites to or something. keep the nanites going, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a lovely little relationship. And and that that becomes the high point for the book for me, actually. I think, I really do think towards the end, we're in there in that Dawn of the Dead kind of shopping centre um, about to fight him. And she him. actually says it's a bit Dawn of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, that's what she does. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that device. And I also like yeah, on, just quickly at the back of the my copy, you've got the commentary on some of the art by Paula Rivera, by Matt Kent, by Jeff Lemire, and by the letterer Dave Lanfear. Yeah, and I quite like those process pages as well. Yeah, they do them in a few of their trades. They do that in sort of more of the sort of event trades that they do. So if you get the Divinity trade, they do that in the back of there as well. Um, right, which is really good. Which is by Trevor Hairsign, who's great. We don't see. Oh right, Trevor yeah, Hairsign. we know Trevor from 2018 and Dread. So yeah, 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 he's great in this. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, I'd agree with you, man. I think that opening device. I think that there's two prints that he was selling. One was the 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 knight, the Gilad as a knight, and the other one was um, the one where Bloodshot is attacking those sort of walking robot things at the start. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, they're the two prints he was selling, and they both stand out really, really great. Um, Anything with the key in, I kind of like that character, the key, and he's got this sort of his head is almost tattooed with, I don't know, like sig- sigils or something like that. Yeah, like codes symbols as well. Yeah, symbols and icons and codes and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, I suppose it's a bit Prison Breaky. You know that character in Prison Break who's got the plans tattooed on him, hasn't he? Oh, is he? All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, no, it's a good stuff. It's a good book. It's a great company if you can go back and please don't. I'm everyone keeps every time every time you, you turn on YouTube there's some nasty video from someone saying, Oh no, they're about to crash and burn, aren't they? But please don't because I absolutely adore their books. I think they're really good. I just think they need just need to turn the corner back to, to some good stuff again. Um they do actually do some non superhero stuff. So they've got they've got some other stuff. If you they do like um a Roman book as well, which is quite interesting. Um, you can oh, okay. go back and find that as well. And I tell you what, if you want to buy, if you ever go to the comic mart and you want to get some of the earlier books from the earlier incarnations, they're cheap as chips. You can buy, you know, right, ten for a five. Yeah, I mean, this is good fun comics. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I just stuff, you know, switch off, uh, get rid of all the world's distractions and horrors, and just you know, it's great fun. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good. That's a nice one. That's a good fun one. So let's talk a little bit about um, you, mate. Um, you, um, Uh oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll turn the recorder off. Just trust me. Um, the, you, um, you've recently had been let down a bit. I think now I did message you say it's all right to talk about it, but you were going to be going on a comics course, but something happened, didn't it? I got cancelled. I'm, um, (laughs) I'm a middle-aged middle-class white man and I've been cancelled. So yeah, typical. I did yeah. mention that I'd applied for and been accepted to do a master's in comic studies at the University of East Anglia, Norwich, on this podcast. Yes. And I did get some nice emails from people congratulating me on that and giving me some background information, which was lovely. Yeah. And then I got this email that I shared with you from the UEA at Norwich, who basically said, because of a very poor response, that the course was cancelled completely and wouldn't be coming back at any point in the future either. And I'm not going to say it was because they'd heard that I was going to sneak you into a lecture, Tony. But, you know, <laughs> I do, it did happen very sort of like close in time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's very disappointing because that was my retirement yeah. plan was to do a year at university. And as you know, Tony, I was almost ridiculously excited about yeah, the whole I mean, idea. you were excited. I was okay. excited. I mean, I don't know yeah. how possibly. I mean, you were super excited, and I was even excited just for hearing about the course from you. So it's yeah. it's, it's a real shame, man. It really is. It is. Yeah. And they've done it. They did it for one year only. I guess it's a COVID casualty, and nobody's applying for it, so they've cancelled it altogether. Yeah. And they tell me that it won't be coming back at any point in the future. So that leaves the only course of its nature in the country is the one at Dundee, the home of British comics. Right. Um, which has been a long-running and successful Masters. Yeah. They don't do it as a distance learning option, but we mm. are looking at the idea, possibly, of you know uprooting and going to Dundee for a year. Oh, wow, um, okay. Maybe for the year after. We, we, we don't know. We're thinking about it. We're thinking of yeah. applying. So, you know, yeah. I might still do it, but I'm going to have a year off first. Okay, yeah. Um, during which I can work on my Alice in Wonderland uh, cosplay. cosplay yeah um, grow that hair yeah. on your legs the uh, uh, the that's a shame man and um obviously we know a lot of people we've got a lot of friends up there you know fellow comic fans and podcasters who are up there who, who even appear on this show you know i'm sure yes. would love to to see you up there and i know um i think dave robertson's done the course i think i'm right in saying he was, has he me. right yeah yeah and of course near there is this mythical place broughty ferry which um Seems to be the wellspring of British comics, doesn't it? Yeah, always like Tom Stewart tells me off. Don't call it Browty Ferry; it's Brotty Ferry. That's how you oh, do right. it. That's how do we say it. Apologise. Yeah, Brotty Ferry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I got family there as well. I'm, uh, Have you? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm up there um, next month actually, seeing them. 
So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I have been cancelled, and I can't smuggle Tony into a lecture. Now, <laughs> That's sadly. a real shame, man. Yeah. Are yeah. you thinking of doing any maybe writing or anything like that? Is this, there's a sort of stopgap. I have got an idea that I'm right. sort of roughing out, and I'm, and it has meant I've been buying certain stuff on eBay, of course, <laughs> to fill some, to fill some holes and have a look at some stuff. So yeah, I've got some ideas that I might do. Oh, good. Um, and and to write about comics. Um, oh, and you're yeah. ready? We'd love to hear that. Yeah, sounds good. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. And the other thing you're doing is you are currently raising some money for Mind. Um, at the moment, did you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think most listeners to this podcast and to the Awesome Comics podcast will know about Dave Evans, Bolt yeah. One in 2080 Circles, who was one of the um, sort of main runners of Future Quake Press, constant presence at all the British conventions. For, for decades, man. For, for absolutely decades, decades. Yeah. 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 And he passed away recently, and his family, you know, did reveal that it was a mental health crisis Yes. And so I know that's touched, you know, an awful lot of people. It's really sort of yeah, got to really a lot has. of people. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's, I think we can all say that we've all had our brushes with mental health problems in the past. Of course, yeah. Um, Mind is the charity who do great work. So I had this piece of Henry Flint. Judge Dread artwork, um, which actually I think he'd done at a Bristol convention years ago, where the challenge it was like one of these sketch challenges, and the challenge was to do a parody of another artist, and he did this sort of early Mick McMahon. Oh, I wondered if that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And somehow or other, it's very weird. This Tony, somehow or other, this ended up in my possession so much so that I actually forgot I had it, and I found <laughs> it recently, and thought, what the hell's this? So I sent it back to Henry to ask him to sign it for this or for this raffle, and he, of course he then sent me some a handful of other oh nice sketches oh, good. to go in the raffle. So basically, if you go to justgiving.com and search for Henry Flint raffle, yeah, uh, you will find that running until the twenty fifth of July or to the well to the twenty fourth of July, I've got a raffle going, two pounds a ticket. And you've got a chance to win some original Henry Flint art or sketches. Um, and all the money goes straight to mind, which, you know, you and I both know is a good Great. cause. Absolutely brilliant people, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And I thought we'd raise a couple of hundred pounds. It went up a couple, you know, what, as we record two days ago, and it's already at 550 quid. Oh, it's gone great. straight to mind. So, you know, but if you, Look for Henry Flint Raffle or email me at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com for the details. And I can, you yeah. know, if you want to buy a ticket and support a great cause. And remember, Dave Evans. And, you know, what's been great, Tony, is I've had some, because I've asked people to, you know, because it's a raffle, to email me their donation receipts. So I've got everybody's details in case they, you know, if yeah. they're the winner. And not only have people been doing that, they've also been emailing me about Dave and saying oh, nice. you know he really helped me with my comics i got my start with you know czar jazz or yeah. dog breath or something like that and you know um so it's been lovely to hear yeah um, I, um and we just want i got my start with dog breath actually that's where my Did first you? published story was but it was when it was with dr bob before right dave took it on and then when dave took it on i sort of went over as the sort of crew of people she'd used and i did some stuff from there as well and uh yeah he's great do you know what I mean no fuss at all no yeah great little editor no. he's a great letterer as well yeah yeah 
great letterer and, um, and, you know, helped so many people. I mean, you know, Dan Cornwall, we've talked about Paul Williams, who's now doing stuff for oh, 2000 yeah. in the yeah, magazine. No, yeah. They all got their start with him. Um, you know, so, yeah, what a great, I mean, we're looking forward to going back to a convention in the autumn and there'll be a real gap now. The, you know, yeah. Dave won't be on the future quake table. Um, so if you want to chuck a few quid to mind and help out and also have a chance at winning some Henry Flint art, come and look for the raffle. Uh, it's running for another few weeks. And yeah, good, yeah, good yeah, stuff, Good man. cause. Yeah, yeah, no, really good, yeah. And um, we never got him on the podcast, or I always tried to badger him to come on, and he always sort of said he probably would. And I know that Damien was going to have him on even in a couple of weeks, I think it was meant to be. He had alive. him all lined up, I think. Yeah, didn't yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, top bloke. Yeah. 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 So, so what's going on with um, Mega City, dude, at the moment? You seem to be cooking on gas. Seems to be. I really enjoyed the um, 13th Floor episode you did. Great stuff. Um, what have you got oh, I love the 13th Floor. You know, the Jose Ortiz artwork in the 13th Floor was great. Yeah. Uh, I did that with uh, Peter from New Zealand, who does a podcast about the 1980s New Eagle comic. Yes, I must um, listen to this. I haven't listened to that yet. I must get on that, actually. They yeah. do the sort of Space Spinner 2000 sort of recap and a slightly ironic comments on these great 80s comics. And they also, they did with Philip Vaughan, they had a panel, again, you did Lawless, you know, the virtual convention. They yeah. did a panel with Pat Mills and Ian Kennedy. Oh, nice. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Talking about the 1980s Dan Dare and also talking about the difficulties in, you know, trying to get that stuff, that Dan Dare, those Ian Kennedy Dan Dares reprinted because of the Dan Dare Corporation and everything. The rights <laughs> right, okay. are just, yeah. you know, a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I think tomorrow, uh, if you're listening, when this podcast comes out, I've got an episode about Zenith Phase Two. Oh, which nice! Is sort of oh, good. Teeing things up for another comic book crisis crossover when you get to Zenith Phase Three. Yeah, and all those British comic book characters start. Yeah, appearing. that's true. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. About um, that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And then you and I have just recorded about a piece of 2000 AD folk horror called Thistlebone. Yes. Which will be out fun. in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah. And, and you know, again, hoping to keep up the two-week schedule, bring out a new episode every two weeks. Yeah, good um, idea, man. Yeah, there's yeah. some more Johnny Alferth coming up. There's some more Dread coming up. There's uh, all sorts of bits and pieces, yeah. I also, Somehow uh, to keep it going. Yeah, you go, you're doing well. I also just you, I sent you, I said, oh, I'm listening to this, and you messaged me about you've discovered my dirty little secret. Now, did you want to talk about that at all? Or? Which one was that? There's Sorry. one about, was I listening to an episode about the Avengers? Oh, you mean, about <laughs> right, so my dirty little secret is I've got another podcast. Yeah, exactly. You never seem to mention uh, that one, man. It's, I know slightly different subject areas, but yeah, I still enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, this is a podcast called British Invaders, um, which is about British science fiction television. It's not really my podcast. It belongs to a guy called Brian from Canada. Right. Who, who I met online. You know, <laughs> you're never supposed to meet people online, are we? Um, it was different. Brian, That's how I met my missus. But you know what I mean? It's different. It was different back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian has, uh, has been doing this podcast about British science fiction television since something like 2008 i think oh wow and his original co-host dropped out and i came on to do some sort of like guesting on it to help out for a while and i've been on it ever since so you know again if you want to hear us talking about the patrick mcnee avengers or um ghost stories for christmas or things like uh, russell t davis's years and years right, or okay. super marionation Yes, that's the new one, isn't it? It's just come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, all we've done all the Jerry Anderson shows. We're, we're looking at the moment at some Super Marionation revivals that have happened in the last few years. Okay. So that comes out every two weeks as well. It actually, it alternates weeks with Mega City Book Club. So, like yourself, I'm on a podcast every week somehow or other. I don't know how I'm managing this. All this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking do? forward to being retired. People do occasionally say to me, you know, do you want to come on the podcast? People are sick of me by now, man. They don't want to hear my voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. But no, I'm enjoying them all, man. It's yeah, always I do good. have a dark secret. I do have another podcast. <laughs> and next week we'll be talking about your BDSM podcast, which is very popular, <laughs> and your furry podcast the week after. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, you spelled it wrong. It's ASMR. Yes. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, it's me whispering and opening crisp packets. <laughs> yeah. Um, and having prawn sandwiches. Oh, God. Someone said to me recently, I said, oh, I'm on Telegram. I might move off WhatsApp because it's on Telegram. And Sonny went, yeah, all right. Telegram, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went, what? And he went, that's where all the furries are. And firstly, I thought, how do you know that? And I didn't even know that. So I said, that's not what I'm going on there. But he is right because I looked them up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good stuff, man. That's brilliant. If you go to um, um, patreon.com forward slash tribute press, you can uh, enjoy the second week of Fame by myself and Demetrius Sackett that's running at the moment. Um, there is some lubed up gilf action happening. And in two weeks' time starts Flesh and Ink, which is the new series that is by myself and Adam, which will run through for to almost to the end of the year. Uh, there's a slight change in the tiers. If you want a um, physical copy, you can up your tier to a two ninety nine in the UK, five pound overseas, and you'll get a physical copy as, as well as being able to read it physically. Um, digitally online and it's the story of a 1970s comic company based above a strip club obviously who fights satanists so there you go that's the of course they coming. do yes <laughs> yeah and physical copies of george mayhem might be appearing yeah for soon, I gather. for people who've backed it it's we're just waiting for the test print to arrive it's due to arrive wednesday if that's okay we'll go to full print so if you've backed it you'll be i'll be badgering you for your addresses um and sending one out to you and then a couple of weeks maybe a month after that they'll be available to buy as well atomic hercules weapon of mass destruction has just gone out so we're waiting for it to arrive with everyone who's backed it i think that's always the right thing to do and then we'll be offering that to sell as well if you miss the kickstarter um which we've sort of been pleased about the response to that one that's quite good so good stuff fantastic stuff on uh, tribute press on patreon Thank you, and uh, yeah could you address mine to graham peanut always always um, dress stuff to your always. house to graham peanut yeah. yeah as you do to me what um where can people find you um mr clark uh, find me at megacitybookclub.com uh on twitter mcbc podcast uh email mcbc podcast at gmail if you want details of the raffle ah yes good stuff and also if you do need to find that raffle and you you you, um you're stupidly not a follower of mega city then message me and i'll send it to you as well so yeah it's also on the facebook group it's on the slack group come and join the new awesome comics slack group because it's fun Uh, it's on various places but yeah if you can't find it message one of us and we'll stick it over to you good stuff thanks man thank you very much speak to you soon take it mate